the Virgin Mary once, uh, of course. And right away, the project, the secular project I was working on for a very major house, very major contract, um, fell through. And I didn't really care. I had peace about it. I ended up taking all that research, and uh, and uh, it turned out that the mission was uh, was uh, was founding SpiritDaily.com. Uh, I had said to my wife, "Well, you know, this internet's becoming a big thing. Why don't we look at uh, at, at going online with this?" And uh, and then the information I collected for that book, I ended up turning into a Catholic book of prophecy that was on uh, on uh, Mother Angelica and other outlets around the country. Mm, very nice. Yeah, you know, I, I visited SpreadDaily.com this morning, and I, I see it's really, you know, cutting-edge stuff. You've got the the, the passing of Rosalind uh, Carter on there, which, you know, just happened over the weekend, the Argentinian election, and, of, of course, other things that are related to prophecy and our faith. And so it's a really kind of a, a mixture, as I mentioned in the introduction, of both some secular news and also religious news. So how how do you choose um, what you're going to put up on the website? And also, you obviously have to be very much on top of what's happening moment to moment, don't you? Uh, you do. And... Uh and I well, first of all, I, I, I try to start uh, every single day with 15 decades of the Rosary and Mass, and that helps I think a lot with guidance, clears the mind, clears the spirit, uh, and uh, and inspires. I, I think uh, kind of guides I, is the best word for it. Um, and then do a lot of internet searching. I have a, a kind of go-to list of oh, it must be about. Uh, 60 or 70 news sites every morning that I flip through. And so it just kind of what, what hits me, you know, yeah. as a former secular journalist. And uh, my wife uh, is often uh, helping me. She is uh, well-versed in kind of the field of news. And what we think will interest people and, more importantly, benefit them spiritually or uh, provoke them to see the need for prayer in as far as secular um, news that's occurring out there. You mentioned uh, a couple of cases there. So um, it's, it's it's just done out of what we think uh, pertains to the to the Catholics out there and uh, what Catholics should know. Yeah, and it's definitely intriguing. I looked at it and I thought, gosh, you know, you had one about the most popular names, Noah being the most popular boy's name, and I was like, you know, that, that's you know, it's 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 an interesting topic. And of course, uh, with the passing of Rosalind Carter and the Argentinian election, you know, these are the things that I think most people kind of need to know about. It's interesting and it's uh, it's, it's it's breaking news. In addition to all the uh, religious things that you're you're covering, well, let's let's turn to the book, if we may. Thank you for that information about spiritdaily.com and I do recommend everybody listening to go and visit that on a daily basis. Um, the, the book is called Future Events, A Prophecy of Coming Times and there's actually a, a link on your website about this book and you say uh, it doesn't take much to know that strange movements and events, violent ones are occurring everywhere we turn and you said also, with all that's whirling around us, it seems time to take a new look at prophecy. And so to explain that. Why, why now and what has changed to make you particularly focused on this topic? Well, uh, first of all, I, I became aware uh, in recent years, since I wrote the final hour, of, a, of an aspect of the third secret of Fatima that I had never heard about. And I've read just about everything on, on Fatima. It was in a, a book on the 
the surviving visionary there, the last surviving one, Sister Lucia dos Santos, and it was by her fellow nuns at the convent in Coimbra, Portugal, in which they revealed that in 1944, um, Sister Lucia had had a further revelation pertaining to the Third Sacred. You know, Dave, we, we think of the Third Sacred, and it was the image um, revealed by the Vatican in in, uh, in the year 2000 of a an angel ready to torch the world with a flaming spear, tip of a flaming uh, spear and uh, or a sword, and quenched that flame by the Virgin Mary, stopped from torching the world. And you know, it, it we all figured, well, it's that's nuclear war. A nuclear war was going to occur, but the Virgin Mary prevented it because enough Catholics responded to the call. Of, of Fatima, and so at least for the time being, that's that. But it turns out that it did not pertain just to war, although war is an aspect of it, but also to natural disasters. And, and this really perked my ears uh, because I've written for many years on the events in nature that are occurring all around us, and I think we're seeing that, whether it's with uh, the turmoil in our weather, or whether it's with earthquakes and volcanic activity. Right now, there's tremendous activity uh, with volcanoes in various parts of the world, including Vesuvius. Um, and so I, and, and I actually think it might uh, do your listeners well to, to hear exactly what Sister Lucy said about that. Um, and... Uh, you know, and taking a look at uh, at what that may mean, tying it into Fatima and tying it into the more the more credible recent apparitions, especially church approved ones. Um, so, Dave, I don't know if you want me to. I'll just read read to you that it's not that long. What uh, what this new revelation was? Uh, yeah, please do. Thank you. So uh, again, this is an elucidation, an expansion, elaboration on the third secret of Fatima from Sister Lucy in which he said, the tip of the spear as a flame unlatches and touches the axis of the earth. It shudders. Mountains, cities, towns, and villages with their inhabitants are buried. The sea, the rivers, and the clouds emerge from their limits, overflowing and bringing with them in a whirlwind houses and people in numbers that are not possible to count. It is the purification of the world by sin as it plunges. Hatred and ambition caused the destructive war. And then there was an exclamation point. Uh, end of quote. And I looked at that and I said, wow. Uh, I mean, touching the axis of the earth, is this a ge- major geophysical event that uh, that is being foreseen in a third secret? Not just nuclear conflict. Uh, it said the planet shudders. You know, um, nuclear conflict can cause a, a lot of disruption, but it can't, it, it can't affect the axis of the earth. Mountains, cities, towns, and villages with their inhabitants are buried. Now, it could do that to some extent. The sea, the rivers, and the clouds emerge from their limits. Again, you know, that's kind of stretching it. And as far as nuclear conflict, although in the end it says that war is a part of it. So uh, it tied right in, Dave, with uh, other research I had done through the years since final hour uh, uh, pertaining to whether it's, you know, volcanoes, geophysical events, and st- astronomy, and so forth. A lot of things can happen, and I think if we continue on the path we're on, a lot of things are going to happen. 
Uh, Michael Brown is my guest. He is the founder of Spirit Daily, uh, the website spiritdaily.com. His new book, uh, he's written 30 and many on prophecy, several anyways, uh, Future Events, A Prophecy of Coming Times. And thank you for sharing that uh, new information out of Fatima. Very interesting. And I want to tie in, um, Michael, something else that you mentioned in the write-up about the book uh, on your website. You're talking about that all that's going on, the, the natural disasters, the volcanoes and things like that, you said, have also been accompanied by the most bizarre trends in recorded history. Uh, you're talking about the confusion with genders, uh, man becoming, you know, uh, uh, creating, you know, life synthetically in labs. And then you mentioned it's the high sin of Lucifer. So how do the more modern evils with technology and hubris kind of play into also this coincidence of, or maybe not coincidence, but the, um, also the natural disasters and how this plays into prophecy? Well, you know, uh, Lucifer wanted to be creator, wanted to, uh, wanted to ascend to the throne. And uh, I, I see mankind as trying to do the exact same thing, whether it's in a scientific realm where we have too many uh, of our scientists as atheists and uh, trying to negate God and take his place, and as you mentioned, genetic engineering, uh, uh, transforming the, uh, the configurations of, of life forms themselves, and now including humans, um, where not only more than two genders suddenly, and of course that's impossible, but not only more than two, two genders, but um, also just uh, reconfiguring the way we, we look uh, we're engineering something new here, and and uh, I, it, there's no way in my mind that God can be pleased with that. I don't think there's anything that can draw more attention from God in 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 the way of uh, reforming us, uh, as well as, of course, abortion and uh, and and you know things that have to do with reproduction. But uh, uh, there's there are so many ways in which we are trying to replace God as creator. And it's just extremely dangerous. And I think this is what is bringing us to the to the brink. And you mentioned also uh, a crescendo of events. Now, crescendo would imply that we're reaching kind of the peak and something's about to happen. You refer to a parting of a curtain. And I'd like to uh, you to explain what, what exactly that means. And, and also, Attached to that question is the fact that, of course, Jesus, you know, says in the Gospels, no one knows the day or the time, only the Father knows. And so it's a, it's a bit of a fool's errand in a sense to try to predict, okay, it's going to happen, you know, three years and two months from now. Okay. Uh, but at the same time, we should be prepared. So talk about that tension, that balance, and also uh, this, this crescendo of events, maybe from a timing standpoint. Yes, and, and uh, that's very good uh, use of words there, because balance is key, and it's very hard to maintain that balance between sensationalism and wanting to read the signs of the times, which Jesus Christ told us we should do, um, without going uh, overboard. And as you said, uh, uh, coming up with specific dates and times and so forth, that usually is an indication of false prophecy when somebody is... is, is is uh, too specific when the specificity is to that point so we have to be careful with that but on the on the other hand looking around we know that there is an uptick in uh, in all of these various events i mean when i interviewed when i was doing that secular book i mentioned 
and interviewing scientists, about a hundred of them I counted, um, I was really stunned, not just taken, but stunned by how in every field, whether it is meteorology or climatology or astronomy or whatever, in every field, the scientists I was speaking to were saying that we were, quote, overdue, unquote, for major events in their field, whether it's, a, again, a volcano or, or, uh, or, or something to do with hurricanes. We've seen since then, since uh, things like Hurricane Katrina, and, and, and uh, Texas has been hit by so many hurricanes in the last 20 years. There has, in Florida, where I sit, there is an intensification and you take Hurricane Katrina, a truly uh, historic hurricane, one of the top three of all time. And, and I find coincidence, if you believe in coincidence, in the very name Katrina, because Katrina means purification. Mm. And uh, so come the signs of the times. Do we read them? Can we, can we read them? Jesus wanted to know. And that's a question for our, our current church, because... Dave, in too many ways, we have eliminated the, myst the mystical. And this is a huge mistake in Catholicism and Christianity in general, because we've always got to remember that we're the mystical body uh, of Christ. Yeah, it's for, for sure. And uh, all the more reason to uh, just remain faithful. Like you said, you start your, your day with rosary and mass and prayer, and it, it's so... So important to just keep our eyes fixed on on Jesus and His Holy Church. And uh, Michael, the the book itself, I know you say we should not respond in fear. Yeah, and you don't think the end of the world is coming. Explain that. Do you, you think it, it says uh, the end of the world? Also, no. The times we approach are times of tremendous tumult and upheaval or confusion of shock and awe. If if not the end of the of time. So it, what what. To find the end of the world, I guess that would be Jesus' coming. And, and do you think the end of the world is, you know, maybe in our lifetime or our kids' lifetime? Or, And again, we've already talked about timing, but um, how, how should people respond? And just speak on those, if you would. Well, uh, I would never say we don't, because I don't know, you know, yeah. about the end of the world. I have no idea when Jesus is going to come, and no one does. Anyone who does, again, this is a... Uh, you know, a sign to me of of uh, false prophecy, and we have to be careful because an awful lot of folks who are saying things or that they hear from the Virgin Mary are are, are being fooled by uh, something else, either their subconscious or or a deceiving spirit. You have to be um, very very cautious of that. But uh, major times for sure. I, I think that we're at the end of an era, I'll say that much, uh, end of a major era, period of time, perhaps one that has gone on for 2,000 years, uh, perhaps one that in some, some regards, geologically, geophysically, is even longer than that. But there are going to be major changes in the world, I believe. This is my belief. This is my interpretation of what's going on, both scientifically and in the prophetic realm. And uh, so our very landscapes, in, in some cases, will be altered, and there will be, there will be uh, casualties. There will be uh, carnage in, in, in various ways, but we always have Dave, the protection of the Blessed Mother, the protection of the Rosary, the protection of, of Jesus. 
were these prophecies are not to make us fear, but rather to pray a course that that we reform and these such events don't have to occur, and to bring us to where we need to be if these events do then transpire, wherever we may be, whether it's in Texas or Florida or Montana, for that matter, or wherever around the world. Um, I think that, uh, yes, there is a curtain that's parting. I quote in the book something I refer to as the 1990 prophecy, which was an anonymous locution that I first became aware of in 1990, and there have been a couple minor addendums, uh, major addendums to it since, not as not as uh, lengthy. And uh, this was basically saying what I've just said in a nutshell, um, that, you know, there's going, there are going to be a lot of events that, uh, that occur in various realms. And also it predicted that there would be a great manifestation or manifestations of Jesus, not a second coming as in the manger, you know, not that, but rather kind of like at these apparition sites that are more credible. I I happen to subscribe to Medjugorje. I've been there nine times. I believe it's true. I, I respect those who differ with me. But at any rate, I think it's going to be something like that, where he comes and appears in in light, towers of light, according to this uh, so-called 1990 prophecy, to break the hold of evil. But I also believe that we're going to experience, I don't know if I'll live long enough uh, to see it, I'm 71 right now, but uh, I, I think in a relatively uh, near future, we're going to, the world is going to experience a personage of evil, and you can call him an antichrist if you want. I don't know about the use of the word the antichrist, since I don't really see that in scripture. I see antichrist often used in plural when it is used mm-hmm. in, in, in the New Testament. Uh, so I, I, I think that there's going to be a, a, uh, a, a cacophony of, of uh, noises out there that come from the evil one. And I think we are very much, Dave, right now, seeing an unprecedented, certainly in recent centuries, rise of evil. I mean, things are, are so extreme in whatever realm Things just seem to be unraveling, and uh, it, it could be uh, politics, economy, or religion, whatever. But it's uh, this turmoil, I think, is only going to keep up. And uh, it's not, again, it's not something to fear, but rather to prepare for, because when we are spiritually grounded, nothing makes us fearful. Yeah. Let me ask, uh, this may be an unfair question because we only have a few minutes remaining, but I'll, I'll answer it. I'll ask it quickly. And then if you can give a relatively brief answer, but in, in the book of Revelation, there is a reference and I'm just going to crudely paraphrase here about one of the signs of the end is having to do with purchasing and buying and you have to have something on your person. And uh, yeah, I think you probably know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people thought, think that this is coming you know, from either eye detection or you're going to have to have something to in, in order to buy or sell. We're already seeing some of this happening in different parts of the world, uh, a cashless society. Uh, can you comment on that? And do you see that tied into any kind of prophetic, um, you know, uh, indications of the end? I do, because I think it, it would allow a personage of evil, an antichrist, if you will, to have control. And I think, as you mentioned uh, some examples of it, we, we're seeing it across the board. 
I mean, the use of the microchips and just the way we have to identify ourselves online or with our cell phones and so forth, um, the way really uh, any kind of personality is being stripped from us and we're turning into uh, numbers. You're seeing artificial intelligence rise uh, remarkably where you can't even uh, get a human on the phone. We recently we had to uh, reach out because it was a huge problem with our Facebook page as well as with Google. And and it it took us a lot of effort, a lot of effort to find a human. And that was only through uh, uh, connections we had. So uh, everything is becoming dehumanized. And yes, we're being reduced into figments of technology, all of us. Um, Whether or not we're going to have something actually implanted in our foreheads or uh, is a uh, or in our wrist or whatever I don't know but we're we're already walking around with cell phones that are tracked uh, all over the place by a lot of different uh, international entities yeah I could see the the, the 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 day when we don't have to carry anything around it's just kind of in us right <laughs> instead of the uh, you know the carrying around the cell phone everywhere which most of us do anyways well Michael I, I wish we had more time we are out of time and I do uh, greatly appreciate your time today uh, for the interview of the week uh, Michael Brown again the founder of spiritdaily.com as he said 23 years ago this this has been around for a couple decades already so please visit that and also pick up a copy of his latest book called future events a prophecy of coming times future events a prophecy of coming times uh can they get it through your website or uh, what's the best way yes, to, you to can get, get it? it from uh, from spiritdaily.com you can also get it through uh amazon and uh in, including kindle and through ingram but uh you know uh we have it uh, on spiritdaily.com yeah and we'll get it right to you if, if you're interested All right. Very good. Well, thank you very much again for your time. This has been the interview of the week here on KTH 9, 10 a.m. And uh, if you have suggestions for future interviews, always like suggestions like Manny was the catalyst for this one. uh, You can email me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. And thank you again to Cecil for running the board and our guest, Michael Brown. Uh, Spiritdaily.com is the website, the, the book again, Future Events, A Prophecy of Coming Times. God bless you. Popular Catholic apologist, convert, and speaker Steve Ray is coming to North Texas for two events in December. Steve will lead an Advent mission at St. Mark Parish in Argyle on the evenings of Sunday, December the 10th and Monday, December the 11th. His topics will focus on the Mass and the Eucharist. Steve will also speak at St. Joseph Parish in Rowena on the evenings of Tuesday, December the 12th and Wednesday, December the 13th. For more information, visit catholicconvert.com. Have you ever heard an aviation emergency on the news? You hear the pilot in ATC talking, but what do you miss? The pilot asking their aircraft dispatcher what they should say on the radio to sound cool. Aircraft dispatchers are the problem solvers working at the airline's operations center. My wife and I run Aircraft Dispatcher Training Center in Farmers Branch. Thanks to the amazing program here at the GRN, we have become Catholic and now sponsors of this great station. Thank you for joining me for this edition of the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. I'm Dave Palmer. Cecil Anderson is running the board for us today. I hope you are having a wonderful weekend. And uh, the purpose of this show is to just highlight 
people, things, activities, events in the Catholic world, in the Dallas and Fort Worth diocese that you may not otherwise be aware of. And I love to hear people's stories. I love to hear about how people are helping to build up the body of Christ here in North Texas in the Catholic world. And my dear friend, Mary Sladek, recently came in to help us with our fall share And in the course of conversation, she was telling me about uh, a friend of hers by the name of Kelly Shoup, who is a occupational therapist, especially a pediatric occupational therapist. And uh, I said, wow, she sounds really interesting. Maybe I could interview her sometime. And uh, lo and behold, she's here in studio. And that's how it works. Somebody recommends and I connect and uh, and we we do an interview. And so uh, Kelly's website is kellykshoup.com. Uh, K-E-L-L-Y-K-S-H-O-U-P.com. She is a mother of three teenagers, a 19-year-old boy and 17- and 14-year-old girls. And I'll just read something off her website, and then we'll bring her into the conversation. She said she is an educated, licensed occupational therapist with over 20 years of experience working with kids, plus 17 years in the trenches parenting her son and two daughters, I have a long track record of success supporting parents and their kids. Parents can trust me to help ease their parenting challenges. And so, uh, Kelly, thanks for coming in and welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So how did you connect with uh, Mary Sladek? Have uh, you all been friends for a long time? or? Yeah, several years. So she and I first became friends because I was um, training puppies to become service dogs. Okay. And I would take the dogs to um, daily mass early in the morning because the um, I, this is at St. Monica, there was a stone floor. And so I had a little puppy that had to start getting acclimated to being outside. And there was, if the puppy had an accident, so daily mass was quiet. There was um, a floor that was stone if an accident happened and it it was um, a short amount of time. And mm. so all the parishioners would see me bring this little puppy. And so Mary was getting a puppy. And so we started talking and um, she's just become a good friend. Yeah, the rest is history. How interesting. Yeah. I, I, I never would have anticipated it had to do with uh, training a dog and going to mass. How interesting. Yeah. So uh, tell us about your background. Uh, did you grow up Catholic? How you kind of got into the, the, the interest in, I guess, kind of occupational therapy in the first place. A little bit about, about yourself. Yeah, so I'm a cradle Catholic. I was born in St. Louis, middle of three kids, um, and lived, grew up mostly in Kansas, um, was headed to the University of Kansas to get a business degree, and then kind of my junior year took a left turn and wanted to do something else that would allow me to have, um, to a more flexible work schedule to, you know, be home with kids or, and I didn't have any idea what what that would look like. Mm -hmm. I just knew that, um, I did not want to work, you know, 50 hours a week in some, um, business capacity. So, um, I'd been babysitting, nannying, had always had a great love for kids. I, um, started a little preschool in my basement when I was in probably middle school and went around the neighborhood collecting everybody's kids, and <laughs> came up with activities and, um, games and things like that. So have always had a lifelong love for young kids. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, how about occupational therapy in, in gen that then this is what you thought that, uh, would be outside yes. the 50 hour a week box. Yes. And did you always want to own your own, own practice, your own business? Um, I, 
I would say no, that I didn't know that I wanted to own my own practice. But the more I looked into what fields felt right to me, um, physical therapy, I knew that if I did something medical, I could have flexibility in the schedule. And occupational therapy had lots of attractive things. It's lots of people who are out-of-the-box thinkers. And so occupation doesn't mean occupation as in job that that brings in revenue. Occupation actually means any activity or task that has meaning or value to someone. Mm -hmm. So I literally can help anybody with anything that has value and meaning to them. Is it a five-year-old tying their shoe? Is it an 80-year-old woman who's had a stroke who wants to hold her own fork? Is it a football player who's injured his hand and wants to be able to throw the, the football again? So... OTs are working across the ages, all kinds of different capacities. Mm -hmm. But for me, because I love kids and have my own kids, it was the place where it brought me the most joy. I always had families, moms come up and say, what are you doing? How do you do that? Why do your kids act this way? This looks different to me. So I'm always consulting and helping um, while raising my own kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you get some real life experience, as you mentioned, uh, on the yes. website as well. So is uh, occupational therapy always physical challenges or is there any kind of psychology or, or mental aspect there to it is, as well? There is, yes. There's definitely a mental aspect to it, which is why it was attractive to me also over, I would say, physical therapy. So I have, you know, education based on the brain. I dissected the entire body. And it's understanding that brain-body connection. And so, of course, that ties into our Catholic faith in that we are, you know, body, mind, soul, composite. We are all of it together. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of parenting professionals will kind of separate it out like this is a mind thing or this is a body thing. I'm like, no, this is a complete package here. So the mind absolutely is a part that I look at too. Yeah. As you, this is going to be a very general question, but as you look at the overall kind of landscape, especially, I think you probably work more with moms and dads, or you can correct me if I'm wrong, but well, how, how are how are people doing <laughs> these days? It seems like life moves so fast. There's so much going on. A lot of women are working, raising kids, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a challenging time, isn't it? It's a very challenging time. I would say, overall, we are not doing well. So moms are busier than ever, and the, they're less connected to their kids. Kids are, all kids um, are really hurting. You know, depression, mental issues. Um, I was at a, a drug talk on fentanyl last week. So it's, yes, it's a very hard time right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that parents need to pull out of the busy and the noise and get back to understanding the uniqueness of their child, what their values are for their family and how they function best and be okay setting a boundary of, you know what, we really can't do two activities for each of our kids. Mm -hmm. We don't function well that way. We have to do what works for us. And a lot of parents don't have the, the strength to do that. And 
also we see on our phone, right, we have so much information, too much information about what to do and how it should look. And this looks perfect on so-and-so's Instagram. My parenting must be terrible. What's wrong with me? There's shame. There's guilt that parents feel. Because um, everybody presents themselves in the mm-hmm. positive on social media. Yeah. And you, uh, yeah, I, I got a friend that's with his wife over in Europe right now, right. run around Italy. And I'm like, gosh, why can't I take my wife to Italy? I right. want to go to Italy. Right. <laughs> it's always, yeah, yes. people are putting their best out there and it makes uh, you kind of, yeah, you're trying to keep yeah. up with everybody else, right? And, right. But it's not reality because yeah. there are moments of, the good stuff, but there's a lot of messy stuff in between. And so the messy stuff is what I typically help parents kind of navigate and mm-hmm. understand that that's just the normal human condition. Yeah. And um, they're normally every parent that I help, every child, even if that child is challenged or has special needs, they have so much um, good stuff that they're doing. So many positive attributes that are working for them. I just help point that out. Yeah. Let me ask about social media. I think this is something that every parent of any kid probably nowadays uh, from about eight up is going to have to address. And there are people like Dr. Ray Grendy on Catholic Radio who takes a very hard stand on they shouldn't have it, you know. Uh, to some people, just unfettered access. And if, you know, if I take it away, they're going to hate me and, uh, you know, they're going to be isolated. And, and I know I've got, I've got two teenage daughters. It's, it's a really tough decision. Do you, what, what are your thoughts on that? So I think, again, it goes back to understanding your family, what your family needs. So I don't take a hard stance on it. I, I do think it needs to be the minimal amount. And I think every child who is going to get a phone, um, seventh grade, eighth grade, whatever that age is for you that works for your family, do a contract. I recommend a cell phone contract with a child who can read and sign their name that says, you don't own this phone, this won't be in your bedroom, whatever the rules are. And I don't recommend not giving them a phone until they're high school or college because I want kids and parents to work together to use it well. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of parents who are scared of a phone. They come to me with this fear that if they give their child a phone, it's going to you know, unleash something. Yeah. And as a parent, we want to not live in fear. We want to be out in front of our kids knowing, okay, I can do this. I can guide them. I have control of their phone. So for every parent, you need to have their passcode. You need to be checking and checking through the history. You need to decide what are the parameters. And there are certain um, phones that you can buy that have different controls that are better than others. And so there's, again, lots of different options to just gradually get to a stage of leading kids to, to use it well. And so I don't want to, again, throw them to the wolves when mm-hmm. they're in college and say, here's your phone. Yeah. No, I want to um, have parameters. And at the end of the day, here's your contract. I pay for it. So I can pull that phone based on you know any of the rules that you've broken. But the contract gives clarity 
So nobody's forgotten what the rules are. Like, oh, I forgot that I was supposed to give you the passcode. Mm. No, no, no. It says right here in yeah. writing. Yeah. So it just makes it clear and manageable. And then, you know, I've had with my kids so many discussions. Okay, I was reading your text, Will, and, you know, this language wasn't okay. This, mm-hmm. you know, and again, it's, it's kind of with grace and space that you're, you're helping kids who they don't have a fully formed brain. They don't have a fully formed body. So their judgment is not going to be like you or mine. And so being understanding, but saying, Hey, let's do this differently. Here's how you could address this. Lots of different things. Yes. My guest is Kelly Shoup. She is a pediatric occupational therapist. I didn't ask you your parish. Are you um, in the in the Dallas Diocese? Yes, St. Rita. St. Rita. Okay. I should have asked you. Mother yeah. of three teenagers. Uh, her website, kellykshoup.com, kellykshoup, S-H-O-U-P.com, and uh, also a Catholic uh, parenting coach. And we can talk more about that in a second. Let's bring in uh, the Catholic faith. How is that incorporated into your work as an occupational therapist and also as a, uh, a parenting coach? You know, it's, it's the foundation of who I am. So over the years, I've had so many moms with um, issues in their family, and they'll say, how can you be so calm about this? Or how can you have this interesting idea? And I, I don't think it comes from me. I think it's from the Holy Spirit. It's about my early morning prayer and being intentional about being open to um, what this particular family needs. And so um, I have a lot of Christian families that find me, but a lot of families who come to me and want, you know, this is a problem or how do I deal with this? And I share spiritual tools, Mm -hmm. you know. So if you have a child who is high school and college age, This is a child who's getting ready, if they haven't left already, to be independent. God actually physically turns off their ears so they don't hear you as well Mm -hmm. because they're getting ready to go be independent. So developmentally, that's what's going to happen. So if I'm talking, you know, constantly to them about do your college apps and, you know, pick up (laughs) your socks and clean your bedroom and all this stuff, they don't hear. So... Um, I have to come up with other ways. So a lot of times I'll tell parents, text them, leave them an, a note, a written note on their door, because they'll read that. But um, you can be very effective with prayer, with fasting, uh, saying the rosary, you know, lots of different ways that we can have more impact on our kids. Yeah. In a spiritual way. Yeah. I noticed on the, the information you sent, you gave me that there's theology of the body incorporated mm-hmm. into your practice. Are you trained in theology of the body or how, do, how does that kind of work into your, your work as an occupational therapist? So I'm not officially trained in theology of the body. I would love to have more time to delve into that. But I have done courses and been exposed to it over many years, but it's understanding, again, just the every cell in our bodies is made by God for a particular purpose. And so the cells in a male's eyes are different than in a woman's. And so, you know, if a mom says, oh, my goodness, my son can never see his football gear that's right mm-hmm. in front of him. Well, 
his eyes see differently than a mom's do. And so it's bringing out also, you know, that what, what does love look like? What is self gift? It's, it's all of that that um, is so important to just in practical, realistic, in a person's home and interaction with their kids. I want to bring it up. I want parents to know this is it. This is living in action theology of the body in your home yes yeah that though that body of teaching was a great gift to to the church uh from saint john paul ii for sure healing parental wounds uh this is tough because we're all walking wounded we're all (laughs) hurt ourselves and so it's the wounded trying to help the wounded uh well what uh can you say about that Uh, realizing that we're wounded as we try to to help our children and, and and our friends and other people Yeah, just um, self-awareness. And so one of the areas that I really look at with kids and with parents is the sensory system. And that's how um, each human takes in through their senses the reality of the environment they're in through hearing, through touch, through taste, through smell. And every human I know has sensitivities in one of their senses. And a lot of times this is a place that they could have been wounded. If, um, let's say, I'm very hearing sensitive. And so if I'm in a noisy gym or if I'm in, um, you know, a busy airport, it's exhausting to my brain Mm -hmm. because I can't filter out the different sounds. But where it shows up in a wound is if as a child, my parents were constantly telling me, you know, oh, you're so, you know, you weren't listening or why are you so disagreeable every time we take you to a basketball game? Then that would land on me and, you know, could be a scar or a wound. And I could be carrying that around into my parenting when I'm an adult. And I still have my hearing sensitivity, but it's understanding what some of those sensitivities are understanding that god gave us what he gave us we're unique each of us but also similar so you know we all have hearts we all have muscles we all have the senses that we use but when families moms can understand their sensory profile also for their kids then there's some understanding of okay this could be a time where I could be grumpier than normal. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm going to take my child into this certain situation, let's say I'm going to take them to the beach, and it's a child who's tactile sensitive, which means touching stuff can be triggering to them. So they don't like the feel of sand on their beach Mm -hmm. or on their toes, or they don't like um, touching sand. It doesn't mean they're trying to be a bad kid. It doesn't mean they're trying to be difficult. It just means they have a need that's different than parent, mom, the rest of the family. Yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting. Kelly Shoup is a pediatric occupational therapist. Her website, kellykshoup.com, kellykshoup.com. And in the time that we have remaining, I want to talk about some of the services that you provide and I see it's one-on-one private sessions. Uh, you will go out and speak at engagements, schools, churches. And also you have a monthly Catholic parenting, uh, I guess, 
uh, get together. So why don't we do them in reverse order? So uh, once a month you get together right online for a parenting uh, yeah, meeting so or I, tell us about that. Yeah. So I have an online um, monthly membership where parents can join. We do a group coaching session once a week and inside the portal of this monthly membership, moms have access to spiritual tools, different prayers. Um, there are games activities that are good for um, connecting with your kids. I also have different courses that I have recorded, ones on picky eating, ones on soothing separation anxiety with kids. A lot of times, you know, if you're um, taking your three-year-old and you want to leave him in the nursery while you go into church, why is my kid clinging to me? How could I make this easier? Um, Self-regulation is another course where how to you know, we help kids regulate and stay calm. What do we need to do to have them sit and behave during mass? That might look like running around the church three times before we even go in. Mm -hmm. So it's helping just give simple, again, easy, applicable um, ideas that parents can use every day to make it more pain-free and less stressful. And, and I think you told me before we started, you have people around the world that, that join in on yes, this, right? Uh, yeah. I think you said Sweden and different countries. Yes, yeah. That must add a lot to it to get yeah. different perspectives from different countries. How yes. interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. It's interesting because even though people are from all over the world, these moms are dealing with all of the same mm-hmm. feelings yeah. of I'm not doing enough. They know obviously this, this job matters, raising kids well, and they feel guilt I'm not, you know, I didn't do this right or I yelled at my kid and I'm like, that's okay, right? We yeah. know the human condition is broken and we know that we are we are that way because God made us that way so we would cling to him and we would need him to get through each of our days. It reminds me of what Socrates said, know thyself. <laughs> For sure. It's uh, very important, yes. isn't it, to know ourselves. Yes. Um, okay, speaking engagements at schools and churches, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of self-explanatory if uh, people would like you to come out and speak about a variety of topics. What's the number one topic people want to, if you are invited to a women's group or mom's group, or what, what do they typically want you to talk about? A lot of times it's discipline. And the other one is just, um, I talked to moms groups about understanding that the fullness of the Catholic faith actually parallels the parenting experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, those I'm, are the two topics. I'm curious, uh, if your kids were here, what would they say about mom being a parenting coach? Does, uh, does, does that, do they think it's funny? Does it put pressure on them? Like they got to be the perfect kids because mom talks about this all the time? Or what would they say? No, I think that they've, they've known for a long time that I parent differently than a lot of parents. Um, they, they do laugh about it. And I also am the first to admit that I'm, when I'm speaking to another family, I'm not in that family, so I'm more neutral. But with my kids, right, I'm, I'm more emotionally tied, so I'm easier to be triggered. It, I'm, I'm more emotional with yeah, them. And yeah. so I, I, I usually have to apologize to my kids at least once a day for something <laughs> I've missed, something, you know, yeah. I can be short with them. But um, once you understand the the grace that God gives us, and that at the end of the day, it all goes back to love. And so it starts with love, and I 
parents have to invest and be intentional about connecting with their kids. Mm. And I have been always that way with my kids. But so when you connect, then you can direct, then you can correct. And so you have to have that connection first. And what does that look like? And it can be, you know, a quick eye contact. It can be a quick note. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 